0: Shared earlier, we're going to be talking about priorities this morning. Um, as far as leadership management goes, Stephen Covey one of the best. Um, and and he, he, he said this, most of us spend too much time on what is urgent and not enough time on what is important. And uh, man, is that ever true for us in these days that uh, we end up doing what has to be done today and get lost and caught up in those urgent things and miss the most important things. And that's what priorities are. They can define what is most important to you. And priorities are lived out, not just talked about. People can see them in your lifestyle, and that's what we're going to see with Paul this morning. Uh, another author, Don Oaks, said this, Desires dictate our priorities. Priorities shape our choices, and choices determine our actions. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to spend some time here in Romans chapter 1. We're going to look at three things. Uh, first, let's look at the verse that the title of this series comes from, which is chapter 1, verse 17. We're going to get there uh, today. It says, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith, from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. That's the name of this series, Living by Faith. Faith comes out in how we live and the actions that we do. It should be seen. It should be known. We're going to look at three things this morning. The the bulk of the message, the title is Priorities. But in this passage, we found three things, and I want to share them with you uh, this morning. The first one we're going to look at are Paul's priorities. How do I know these were his priorities? Because this paragraph starts with first. He's not telling Christians how to live. We're going to look at how he's living, what he's writing, and what was most important to him, and take that and apply it to our life. The second thing that I want us to see, and, and we'll do these last two in, in a bit of a closing. Uh, the first one is the church's prestige, or this reputation, this church at Rome. And the fourth, or the third one is the gospel's power. Those three Ps, if you can remember those, Paul's priorities, the church's prestige, and the gospel's power, those three things are what we're going to look at uh, this morning. I'm going to read the verses. Let's start in chapter 1 and verse 8. Let me get my Bible up here. Chapter 1 and verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Notice that first word. It's first. Did you get that? First word was first. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's Faith. Doesn't that sound good this morning? I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now. In, uh, I, but I've been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I, as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation. I want you to just think about that for a minute. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. There's so much packed in that one sentence. First to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. All right, so let's move back here to verse 8, we're going to work our way through this, Um, and under the first heading is Paul's priorities. Priorities, what are the most important things? What are things that we could do today uh, when we don't know what else to do? And we're going to look at four things that Paul does here that I think is, uh, they're, they're simple, but they're, they're, for me, it was a strong reminder and gave me uh, great direction and encouragement, so I hope it will do the same uh, to you. This is how uh, Paul starts his letter uh, in verse 8, after he's given a, a bit of an inf- introduction to himself, and you remember he made his claim and gave his credentials as a servant of Christ, a called apostle didn't share anything else. He just said, I'm a servant. That's the only credential that matters. I am owned by Christ. His will is my will. I'm doing this for him. I'm, I exist to serve for him. So he starts out this next paragraph saying, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. And here in this moment, we see gratitude. So we're, you're going to keep notes on the four things we want to talk about this morning, the things to do when you don't know what else to do. Uh, we see here Paul uh, living out gratitude. Uh, I used to send emails back and forth with a, uh, a, a guy I knew, and he had a signature in his tagline. Uh, his name was Rick, and the signature in his tagline always said, your attitude will take you to a much greater altitude than your aptitude. That's a mouthful. Did you hear that? Your attitude will take you to a much greater altitude than your aptitude. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning how important waking up each day and finding the things that we are grateful for. But we're not going to stop there. But this attitude will change your daily actions and how you interact with people and your relationships and what you do each day. Remember this desire... Uh, if we wake up ungrateful, if we wake up feeling bitter, if we wake up feeling like we've been shortchanged, and we wake up feeling like life isn't fair, and we think about all the list of the bad things that have happened to us, then we can't get to the heart of Christ, the serving that God has called us to. Because we got to remember, in every situation, someone's got it worse, things could be worse. And we know in the eternal situation, the one that really matters, where eternity comes into play, every day we have Christ and his his resurrection to be grateful for, that we have life even at all. Now, I know it's hard. We go through difficult times. I'm not saying you should never be sad. I'm just saying in sadness and brokenness, we can still search our hearts and find some level of gratitude. But there's something that came uh, to mind here, uh, that that gratitude has this great capacity. This great capacity, honestly, to change uh, a life and the world. But it never gets a chance if you keep it in. I'm not talking just about an attitude. Paul didn't just have an attitude of gratitude. He took the time to express it. And, uh, you know, this last week as I've been getting closer and closer to my final transition uh, from SOAR, I was uh, – a couple of weeks ago I was thinking about one of the um, – one of the people who were on the hiring committee that you know, came, asked me to consider the, the position. And and, uh, and, and really uh, this one person, his name was Tom, and he lives in Tennessee, but he was on this committee and he, he really uh, – I remember him saying, I'm going to fight for the young guy. And I was a young guy, and I was not the obvious candidate nor what looked like the the likely candidate, but he was really one that, that helped me. And um, I thought two weeks ago as I was making this transition, I said, I'm going to write him a little note, a thank you card, and just tell him thanks for uh, believing in me, thanks for you know putting your reputation on the line to say, I think this person would be good. Um, and to let him know he made a big difference in my life, a huge difference in my life. One person made a huge difference. Um, he called me this week. He got the card, this one little uh, example. And I, to be honest, I don't do a lot of handwritten thank you cards. I pray to start. Um, but, and so don't think, oh, Jared's so good. He writes handwritten. I, this is one I've written in about six months. So, um, but just that one example of taking the action to specifically speak to something I appreciated uh, from him. I believe it encouraged him, uh, and I know the call encouraged uh, me. So I'm going to ask you this week, don't let your gratitude lay dormant. There are things you're thankful for. There are people you're thankful for. Let it be known. Let them know. Share it with them. Write them a note. Give them a call. Go see them. Take them. Something we've been uh, been overwhelmed as we've all been. Our entire family's been in quarantine and and separated for the last week and a half, two weeks almost now. Um, The people that have just come out and supported us, brought us dinners, been thoughtful, and we appreciate it. Your gratitude is known. So priority number one, when you don't know what else to do, express gratitude. Don't just feel it. Find a way to express it. He says, he tells them exactly what he's thankful for. We're going to talk about this in a minute, because your faith is being reported all over the world. The second thing that we find that he does is at the end of verse 9, he says, Um, after he says God whom I serve in my spirit and preaching the gospel of his son is my witness how constantly I remember you first priority gratitude he's expressing gratitude the second one is this constant prayer constant prayer constantly I remember you in my prayers I don't know about you but that one gets me Uh, and I've grown a lot in my prayer prayer life over the last five years. I used to think it as this religious ritual where I would I need to schedule 10 minutes in the morning. I'll stop for those 10 minutes. I'll pray. Uh, and then that evening, I'll pray, and I'll pray over my lunch. And that'll be my three prayers. And, you know, I've done, I've checked the the, the the churchy boxes of the list of things I need to do today is to pray. And yet we find here in Paul this relationship that's so much deeper. He cannot imagine this being on a list of things to do, he cannot imagine living life without constant communication with his Creator, and we find that prayer is much more than you know uh, uh, um, a, a a memorized uh, a memorized memorized words and lines and phrases, but is in like this deep connection of your soul to God that. That actually every silent moment you have through the day as you're thinking, you're actually in conversation, that you're talking to God, that you're trusting God. And not only was he in constant prayer with them, but about specific things. And we know Paul prayed for himself. Remember the verse that says he had a thorn in his flesh and he prayed, God, remove it three times. But here's what I want to say and these priorities for him was that his constant prayers were also consumed with other people. You know, he, he had never been to Rome. He knew a few people he had bumped into that were connected to the church at Rome. He had never been there. He didn't know a majority of them. And just in passing, he knew some of them. He didn't have deep relationships with them. Yet we find himself so burdened for Christ that he is waking up and, and he's in constant prayer for these people they don't even know. I got an email this week from old friends um, that we used to go to church with years and years and years ago. And it was just a short little uh, email from their phone. I would have honestly never thought they would ever be thinking about us. And it just, it was to me and Bethany. It said, hey, we, uh, Stephen, and Teresa, they were, said, we are, praying for you and your church and your ministry as you navigate COVID-19 and what this looks like for your church. Just know we pray God's blessings are all upon you. And I mean, I was just reading that, that, that email and I was crying because I was thinking about what this letter meant to those people at Rome at a time when they couldn't get on Facebook, when they couldn't be connected, when they couldn't see and when it took days and weeks and months to find out what happened in this community, or you know, back in Jerusalem, uh, to get this letter of encouragement and find out that Paul, probably the greatest name in the early church, had been constantly praying for them. This was not an occasional conversation or a religious practice. This was just an exercise, an overflowing of the heart and desires and connection. And thankfulness he had uh, in his relationship with Christ. We find uh, here in verse 11 it says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. First, he ha- expressed this level of gratitude. Second, he was in constant prayer in his life when he didn't know what else to do. I'm confident he was grateful. I'm confident he was in constant communication uh, with Christ. And we find this hunger that he had to have fellowship with other believers. If we need encouragement, there's no greater encouragement for me than to be with people of faith. People of faith that can just share a little bit of their story. Uh, Whether it's Joey at the University of Pikeville that's leading their crew ministry, and he's sharing what he's doing. I'm seeing his posts on Facebook because he is there in the trenches sharing faith and being confident and sharing Bible verses and teaching and doing Bible studies on the campus. I mean, that just encourages my faith. Whether it's Lonnie Riley over in Harlan County that's stepping out on faith and doing big things for God, and God has just delivered in big ways. These are the things that over the years have just God has slowly pecked away and said, Your faith, your faith, your faith, your faith is important. And so we see this longing, this priority for him to be with people of faith so that they can be mutually encouraged. You find When someone shares with you or you share your faith with another, uh, that it's not not a one-way street. That you are mutually encouraged and there's encouragement in community. Boy, is that difficult to hear right now. (laughs) Can I just stop for a minute and say that is difficult to hear right now. As we, I'm here, all alone. Don't feel bad for me. I got a good family at home. I'm going home to them. But these empty seats means people aren't getting the encouragement they need this morning. We can be like this. Last week we did a Zoom call right after uh, church and we had about 30 people, uh, you know, in all the families that were on that that got on and spent some time together, but it is not the same, although I found encouragement in those 10 or 15 minutes hearing from one another. So find a way, even if it's a smaller group and and you're doing your own Bible study, uh, we will help you if God's feeling you led to do that. Find a way to be in community with other believers. We find his heart here in, uh, um, uh, let's see, I think it is... uh, Yeah, in order that I might have a harvest among you just as I've had among the other Gentiles. That's the last part of verse 13. So his priority was uh, express gratitude, be in constant prayer, have fellowship with other believers, do not disconnect yourself from people of faith. Um, And fourth was this heart. I mean, this burning desire to share the gospel. Cause Paul more than anyone knew its power; it had changed his life. Now he he goes on, and I think it's probably evident here that he is not ashamed. Can I confess to you? There have been times in my young life, when I was in high school, when I was in college, that I've been ashamed of my faith. That I've been I've been worried that people would think uh, you know, think intellectually you know how could you how could you believe those things i I I've thought I would be alienated or made fun of by people that are out having time and living life and 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 and, and, and those things uh I am uh, I am broken for but here, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because this good news, and in those times I'd been in church, but I, God had not got that relationship with me where He had changed my life altogether. And once God does that for you, once God does that for you, you have no, uh, you cannot control the desire you have to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't mean be a Bible thumper. <laughs> And and everybody you see just be throwing verses at them and condemning them and showing them why what they're doing is gonna send them uh, to hell because the w- only thing that they're doing that sends them to hell is not having faith in Jesus Christ. Now we can get uh, we can get all worked up and you know saying oh you're doing this wrong you're doing that wrong uh, you gotta you gotta do this right you gotta you gotta stop doing that and that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is, I got good news. I was doing all that too. I was broken. You're a mess. You got no righteousness, but there's hope. You are broken, and you were broken in your relationship with God, the Father, and Jesus made a way for that to be reconciled. And so he had this burning uh, desire to, uh, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I ask you, those four simple things, Paul's priorities, um, express gratitude, be in constant uh, prayer, find fellowship and community with other believers, and let's share the gospel. Share it directly with a friend. Share it by living it. Because here's what we find. we So we got Paul's priorities. You're thinking, man, how many points are in this sermon? What time is it? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in good shape. We're in good shape. I got a few more minutes here. So we saw Paul's priorities, what I want us to see in this is back in verse, um, uh, verse 8, is I want you to see the church's prestige. The church at Rome, I want you to see that their faith was known. Prestige means reputation or influence arising from success, achievement, rank, or other favorable attributes. For some reason, Paul says, hey, listen, you're a, you're a young church at Rome, but the world is talking about you. <laughs> And they're talking about one thing, and it is your faith. It says your faith has a reputation. It's being reported all over the world. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you, what's your reputation? What are people reporting about your faith? I pray about our church as a as a congregation of believers. When people in the community see us as uh, another body of Christ, are they saying those people are living out their faith? That's what I want to do every single day is build you up and myself up uh, that, that we are able, that we are equipped with the Holy Spirit's power to live out our faith. And we know once he gets a hold of us, we have no choice but to be different. How was their faith known? How did they look different? What was there to report? You can't see what someone believes. But we know that good works are evidence of a changed heart. That faith without works is dead. Which means real faith. Real faith can be seen. Can yours be seen? Maybe it was in their their righteous living. They lived in as immoral society as you can go ahead and imagine as no, don't do that. It was as bad as you could imagine. okay, immorality was uh, was was everywhere in Rome and in this society and culture. and maybe they were just seen as they were the one who had sincere marital relationships, where they cared about their neighbor. Maybe they were the ones who who were not just killing for fun. Maybe they were the ones uh, who, who were giving up and not being so materialistic and not saying, you know, life is all about greed and me and myself. Maybe, just maybe, they were living differently and more righteously than the culture that Was around them. Maybe it was in the grace they gave to others. Maybe it's the unconditional love we share for one another. Maybe it's the lifestyle and the choices uh, that we make. I remember the story of the friends who had a uh, their friend was was paralyzed. He was sick. He was in. He was bedridden, and they were trying to get to Jesus, who was in this house. Uh, and they couldn't get through the door; it was so crowded. You remember? And they got up on the roof, and they lowered him down through the roof. You remember this, this story? And uh, and the Pharisees were reasoning in their mind, and they were doubting. And 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 and, and Jesus raised this man up, and told him to walk. And, but but the 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 Pharisees and all the Jewish and the people who who were against Jesus, they they were reasoning in their hearts and their minds, and they were saying, "This is blasphemy. You cannot." Uh, how can you heal someone? How can you forgive someone's sins? Because the first thing he said was he looked at those men that had taken an action who believed if they got their friend close to Jesus and they lowered him down through the roof, they took that action. He looked at them and said, I've seen your faith. (laughs) Your sins are forgiven. And all the Pharisees were thinking, Who is he to forgive sins? And Jesus said, well, is it easier to forgive someone's sins or say, get up and walk? Take up your bed. (laughs) And the guy took up his bed and walked. And you can imagine in that moment, in that time, it was chaos. It was, oh, my gosh. But their faith was lived out. We find this church at Rome had a bit of prestige because of one thing, and that was their faith. Let your faith be reported in your community, in your family, in your neighbors. Let them say, Jared is not the same person he was. I cannot believe he's making that decision and he's treating people the way he is. Be the one who doesn't do what the world expects you to do. Live out your faith. The second, the third thing, heading that we see here, we've seen... Paul's priorities, we've seen the church at Rome, their prestige, and we see in this last verse, verse 16, uh, the power, the gospel's power. He prayed earlier in these verses, if you remember, says he's wanted to come to them many times, Uh, And uh, into verse 10, it says in my prayers at all times, and I pray that now at last by God's will the way may be opened for me to come to you. Paul wanted to get to Rome. He had never been there. He didn't know these believers, but he wanted to get to them so bad he couldn't stand it. He had this heart. While God was Uh, While while God was his Savior and he trusted wholly in Jesus Christ, he was using the capacities he had. And even in difficult times, he was dreaming about what's next and what he was going to do next. Even as he went to Jerusalem, not knowing whether he was going to live or not because he was going to hostile territory, He wanted to get to Rome. Not only did he want to get to Rome, he wanted to get to Spain on the other side of Rome. And he just had this heart, this vision, this power, this this hope for the future to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm praying for God to make a way. He had been praying and wanting to come for some time, and sometimes God says no. And that's where Paul was in life. I wanted to come to you, but circumstances and he believed, I know it was God's sovereignty, He's just been saying no up until this point. It has not made itself available. And he's saying, I'm praying for God to make a way. This morning, you may be praying for God to make a way in life. Let me tell you, he can do that. There's this story, because this, this is powerful Um this was uh, uh, in Romans eight twenty eight one of the great verses we all know we'll get to. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Bethany and I were reading this devotional we do uh, each day yesterday. And this was the story that was in. It was about this, the poet Cowper was subject to fits of depression. One day he ordered a cab and told the driver to take him to London Bridge. Soon a dense fog settled down upon the city. The cabby wandered about for two hours and then admitted he was lost. Cowper asked him if he thought he could find the way home. The cabby thought that he could, and in another hour landed him at his door. When Cowper asked what the fare would be, the driver felt that he should not take anything since he had not gotten his fare to his destination. Cowper insisted, saying, Never mind that. You have saved my life. Life. I was on my way to throw myself off of London Bridge. He then went into the house and wrote, God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps on the sea and rides upon the storm. You see, Paul was praying to get to Rome, and we find out eventually God does make a way. Probably not what Paul was hoping for. But we know in those last days that uh, in Paul's missionary work, uh, he was taken to Rome as a prisoner. Isn't it funny how God answers prayers sometimes in his time and his way? And yet, we know from the book of Philippians, as Paul writes one of his last books, and he talks about that he has learned in the last chapter of Philippians that he's learned to be content, whether he has a lot or whether he has a little. Because not only does the gospel have power to make a way in these situations, in life, as he's called us to things. The reason Paul can be content is because the gospel has the power to make a way to eternity. that here we have this word salvation that we throw around in eastern Kentucky and say, have you been saved? And -and so-and-so got saved, and we get excited. And what does that mean? This means that as we are born, we are born into sin, and sin has punishment. It's condemned. It's wrong. And because of that, we are sentenced to to a death that we're going to die eventually. We're going to be eternally separated from God. We have no hope. But he says, because of this, because of the gospel's power, I want to share it. I want to get out. I want to tell this good news because the gospel has the power to not just make a way for me to get to Rome. It has a, it is a power that everybody wants to know how to live forever. <laughs> It has a power to eternal happiness, eternal life. This is what the world needs. This, the gospel's the only thing that has the power to change the human heart. And it's not through condemnation and it's not through judgment. It is through grace. And grace is sparked by faith. This morning, as you read that last verse, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is? the Waymaker. Paul did, and he shared it, and it changed his life so that the righteous, they don't live by perfection. <laughs> they live by faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. God, we thank you for this time together as we go into this last closing song. I pray you just stir in the the hearts and souls of everyone who's listening, God, this this draw to make, to express our gratitude like Paul, God, that, that, that uh, we would be in constant prayer and not always just self-serving prayers, but, God, that we'd have a heart for others. God, I just pray that you would just restore our fellowship as a community of believers. Um, and, 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 God, we thank you. We thank you that you put it in our heart to share the gospel. God, I'm doing my best this morning to put your truth forward and know your truth can set people free. I pray as people are listening, if they've never confessed you as Lord and Savior, God, that they can be saved this morning simply because they believe in you. God, help us share our faith. Help us trust in you, just like Paul did, trusting you to make the way.